Welcome, dear listener, to our second season of our spin-off series, Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold, When Harry Met Sally. Welcome, dear listener. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I am Hugh. I knew the way you know about a good melon. <laughs> and my name is Dr. James Evans Esquire. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> <laughs> that was the obvious one, wasn't it? <laughs> Baby fish mouth is sweet <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Baby fish mouth. Well, why don't you take it away, Hugh? Why don't you give us a little, um, a little, uh, um, flavour of when yeah. Harry Metzley. I'm sure everyone has watched it numerous times, but there's no harm in just a bit of a recap. Is yeah. Uh, so we begin in uh, in uh, 1977 when uh, a, a very young, uh, or at least attempted to be young, Billy Crystal, uh, who is yeah. Harry, and Meg Ryan, who is Sally, are uh, leaving uh, college. They they kind of friends of friends. Uh, Sally knows um, Harry's then girlfriend, and they they're driving to New York, so they basically carpool for the journey. Um, Sally is not impressed by Harry, Harry at all. He's he's quite cynical and uh, yeah. dark, and um, he makes pass at her. And they basically end the journey, having um, busted against them in several stops. End the journey and intend never to see each other again. I mean, Jump in fairness, though, I mean, yeah. um, uh, Harry, he is quite obnoxious. <laughs> he's <very laughs> oh, he's, he has this enormous bunch of grapes that he's eating. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> Spitting these grapes out the window is horrible. I wouldn't like it, but um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly played up for it. Um, oh yeah. Um, I will say again, as a side note, is I was impressed. Uh, again, obviously they they are they're doing their best to make two actors who are not twenty one look twenty yeah. one. Meg Ryan was only about twenty eight in the film. She passed off better. Billy yeah. Crystal still looks a bit haggard. With yes, his, like, they've combed his hair forward to cover up his, his hairline and give him sideburns. Um, he still looks like he's they, pred yeah. predatory in on the campus. Yeah. I was wondering how he did that. How they did that because in, in the in the kind of next scene, which is like five years later, he's got his full middle-aged hair. Yeah, um, yeah. but Meg Meg Ryan's got the big fair hair, and yeah, she she, she's opening her eyes very wide in almost every scene to look younger. Yeah. But I'll tell you this: I was quite impressed, and it's, you kind of get it on the on the, the recruit watch is yeah. that she has kind of deliberately deepened her voice as she gets older as one yeah, as does happen does. so she does have a little bit little bit more pitch when she's 21 which i thought was a nice touch because they're, they're yeah. doing their best to to get the grade there so, so they they meet they they share some time together they don't like each other also they kind of uh, the the key tenant of the film is thrown in there saying that men and women cannot be friends um because sex will get in the way yeah um that's it yeah they, yeah. they cannot be a platonic male female relationship yeah. in fact can there be any other kind of platonic relationship could you, could you have a male-male or a female-female platonic relationship? Well, I guess the, you could. Again, this, is the this, principle this, of it that it's male and female? Well, we should say that this 1987 film is deeply heteronormative. <laughs> oh, it is. It, yeah, that's a fair point. It's, it's, yeah, it's interspersed with deep, uh, little, lovely little vignettes of, um, I think they're actors playing genuine interviews um, mm. of these little little old couples, like tiny, you know, say tiny, they're in their 90s or whatever, saying, oh, I was, I was, I met this, I met my, my Bob when I was young, and well, yeah. Yeah, we've been together for 45 years. So it's, it's <laughs> my, my rendition of it notwithstanding is very sweet to hear. <laughs> um, and that, but you get, you, you do notice now with a, a kind of a modern eye is that oh, they're yeah. all just male, female partners. Um, but I guess well, male female partners, yeah. I mean, there was one Chinese couple, but the rest are white, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And well, then, I'd, yeah. I'd suggest all, all, almost all of them are Jewish as well, to be <laughs> honest. 
<laughs> they didn't go far outside New York to find these couples. Really um, but it's it's it's, a, it's quite a sweet number of vignettes because it's almost like this becomes like an essay on love. Um, oh, it is, yeah. And you're not quite. I, I, you know, obviously you know how you know how it ends and everything. But um, when you when you first watch it, or if you haven't watched it for a long time, you forget that the point is is that the last couple is is are the two Harry and Sally. Aren't, aren't, yeah. You know, you don't you, you almost forget because you think, well, this is a nice little interlude. But it's like, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. the structure's been set up to show that. It was very sweet. I suppose actually if they were to have like a gay couple of it, it might be a bit darker. It's like we've been together for 90 years and boy, our house got firebombed a lot. <laughs> the 50s were no fun at all. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, no, not really. So, um, yeah, so they, they that's the premise of the film. They, they can't be friends. And yeah, they meet up um, five years later. It's actually quite, quite fun. The, um, we begin at the very beginning with basically uh, Harry is smooching his girlfriend and it's supposed to good touch it. They're smooching like 20, only 21 year olds can kiss. Like they're literally trying to you know, suck yeah. each other's lungs. Ugh, that's horrible. <laughs> and, uh, and then we jump to the fact that next time it's Sally kissing her, her, yeah. her, her boyfriend at the airport and yeah. Harry walks past and basically just stares really closely at them, <laughs> which, which makes Sally uncomfortable. In fact, he's recognising his old, um, someone lived in his building. Um, yeah. He recognises an old friend of Joe. his. Joe. And doesn't clock Sally at all until they're actually on the plane because they're waiting the airport and Sally goes through her convoluted method of ordering things um, because yes. Sally has a very precise method of things. Anyways, his radar pops up, he spots so they have a nice chat, he says he's getting married they they warm to each other a bit but they're still they not do. interested in, yeah. in continuing the relationship because they, they just decide okay that's nice let's move on and then five more years come on so now they're in their 30s um, they meet up again uh, and in fact we've had a vignette beforehand where, they, where, they, where they've been talking to their friends um, this is where we're, we're introduced to, to Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby aren't we yes Carrie, Carrie Fisher is is, um, is uh, again uh, Sally's friend um, and Bruno Kirby is Harry's friends they have their, their um, confidants with them uh, very funnily um, spoke to because again the, uh, they're having like a Sally's having like a New York brunch with uh, yeah. Gary Fisher and her other friend and she reveals that um, her, she's, she's now split up with her boyfriend and in one breath her, the nice friend just goes you broke up and Gary Fisher goes he's single Gary <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fisher's kind of running gaggy she's been out for someone who is we got the last count 12 years now she goes out yeah. with and, she keeps, and every interview she's going he's never going to leave his wife is he <laughs> like, yeah, and they were like no he, he, he is never going to leave his wife yeah um so yeah, so uh, yeah, Karen, Karen Fisher, this is nothing at date. So she has a Rolodex of, of oh, index yeah. cards where yeah. eligible men are kept. I think and you'd probably fit that in a smartphone now. <laughs> <laughs> probably. You probably. I mean, yeah. wait, it's, very, it's a proto Tinder. I'm very impressed with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful cell scene when um, she's going through her card saying, I've got this guy for you, this guy for you. And they, she gets, pulls up one card and it's like, he's married now. He's married, folds the corner down. Because clearly married. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't throw it away though. Yeah, it's just a corner fold. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's Carrie Fisher, and then Bruno Kirby is basically just the, the male confidant. In, and this is where Harry reveals that um, he's now getting divorced because his wife has been cheating on him and yeah. has moved out and has broken all the news to him. And, cheating on him with, with Ira. <laughs> yes. Um, and they're, they're doing all this at a Giants football game. So in oh, between yeah. all this, they keep having to stand up and down during the Mexican yeah. waves, which is hilarious. Like he's just saying, and then she said, she's leaving me. Everyone up, way. <laughs> she's leaving you? Yeah. When did... When did uh, yeah so uh, the the removals people uh, <laughs> uh, turned up? When, so hang on, miss what was it, Mister Mister? What was it? Don't again? f with Mister Zero. He had a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, don't f with Mister Zero. Knew that you were getting divorced before you did, and they would stand yeah, up and cheer again because yeah, his wife had pre-booked the removal men for yeah. moving out. So he's like saying you had all this plan, Mister Zero, before you did. Um, so so now they go. They're both heartbroken, and they they meet in a self-help bookstore. Um, uh, whereupon uh, again Harry reveals that he's he's getting divorced. 
past and um, they kind of this, this kind of sadness bonds them because actually um, Sally's brief uh, spark of joy for Harry is when he said he was getting married because it seems such an optimistic thing for a cynical mm. depressive character to do and now he's back to square one so they sit down and kind of pour their hearts out to each other a bit. Um, yeah and they, they warm to each other don't they they connect. They do and in fact it's the first time um, as they're leaving they're saying you know uh, finding an apartment easy you just look at the obituaries and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he seems dead and that actually gets a laugh out of Sally which is the first time you actually see them yeah. enjoying each other's company. Um, so they so and thus it begins. That's that's half an hour into the film. That's our prologue, basically, because yeah, the, the is, rest of the, the rest of the film, two thirds of it, is just their relationship, which is mostly that of friends. They they become uh, friends. They they spend interesting. They spend lots of of their company in very romantic conditions. They um yeah. they uh there's there's you know autumnal walks in the park and there's ice skating in the rink. But they <laughs> they're, they're a museum, aren't yeah. they? And you know an art gallery and all these yeah. kind of things. But they're adamant that they are just friends and that they they um, they are dating other people, but it's not working out for them. Um, and they even managed to set up Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby with each other um, through some kind of hilarious mischance. Um, but it's not until again uh, Sally finds out that that her their former boyfriend, who she lived with for five years, is now getting married to someone else, that kind of breaks her shell of, of optimism and, and happy-go-lucky um, when she realizes that in fact, because she broke up with her boyfriend, thinking they just didn't want the same thing. She wanted a family to get married. Yeah. He said he didn't. It turns out he just didn't want it with her, which you yeah. know, breaks. It's sad, isn't it? It's very sad to hear that. But yeah. again, that's a. Uh, <laughs> um, that, again, that's life Car- as well, though, isn't it? <laughs> I'm thinking though, Carrie Fisher had a great, great um, perspective on the nature of the one, saying, um, "What if you know? What if what if you're supposed to meet someone and go for someone else? Then you'll know that someone else is married to your husband." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so she's this. She she calls Harry. She kind of weeps into his jumper, and at that point they sleep together, which then becomes so incredibly awkward um, because Harry is sort of so commitment phobic, and um, Sally is so desiring of, of, of a relationship that they not only agree it was a mistake, but it actually breaks apart their friendship, and they can't get back together again. Um, they you know they they try and resolve it, but not until uh, the, it's, the final act is when Harry makes a New Year's Eve dash across New York. To... Well, there's a, as a scene before then actually, which is, right. which is which is quite important as well because it, there's a scene where uh, uh, um, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby's wedding, where um, Harry it, it effectively says, you know, what was I supposed to do? You were looking at me, you were you, you were um, dem- almost demanding that I didn't leave, yeah. um, you know, with with your eyes, and you were sobbing. What did you want me to do? And then she says, well, you know, you mean you pitied. You pitied me, and she slapped him, and that's and then you know there's there's it's another a real five, slap. It's a real slap as well, yeah. And there's another five minutes of um, you know, o- o- another montage between Christmas and New Year's where Harry is trying to call her, trying to get her to um, uh, you know, answer his calls and everything. It's a nice scene where he's at a hot dog stand um with Bruno Kirby, and he says, you know, if she, she she'll call me if she wants to call me. I'm I'm not going to humiliate myself. And then there's a kind of like a smash cut to him on a karaoke machine singing uh, to her answer machine saying will you call me <laughs> they don't even call it a karaoke machine that's how old this film is yeah. so like he sees it and he goes it's a music computer or something it's like a music machine a singing machine yeah. it's a singing machine you put your cassette in and you hold the microphone and you sing and he starts singing in oklahoma which again um yeah. i really appreciate first for several reasons it's very funny because as he's singing oklahoma um he then like she starts to sing the um the instructions manual, doesn't she? Does she? Yeah, she does. Yeah, at the end, because he he sees Helen, right? He's, well, he sees that he says his ex-wife who comes yeah. up to him, um, and now he realises he's utterly mortified and has been found found singing "Sorry" with a fringe on top. Um, <laughs> yeah. And but yes, yeah, so you, you'd think 
in, in any other film, again, say this was big or any other film, this would fall, form a musical montage where Harry and Sally sing the song together and almost kind of fall in love because yeah. they're, they're together. Yeah. But this instead turns into a mortifying experience when yeah. Harry is utterly broken at the sight of his ex-wife. And, and Sally's a couple of beats behind this where Sally, Harry is looking open-eyed and mortified at this. Sally is still singing along. The, yeah. The, yeah. Well, no, but what happens is, because I, I think it's quite hilarious because she, she, she's singing along completely oblivious to what's happening. And then obviously yeah. the lyrics run out and she starts singing the instructions <laughs> to the machine. <laughs> oh, but yes, it was, it was a nice again undercutting of what a normal trope would have been yeah. when, you, when you get yeah. misconceived. But yeah, so um, so yeah, he's throwing himself on Sally and she's not having any of it. But um, he then realizes what he truly wants, and in fact, he, he puts it in a marvelous way, saying, "I think when you want to spend your whole life with someone, you want yeah. that life to begin right away." And he yeah. runs to Sally. Um, they they fall into a kiss, and then again, that's it. They are they are in love, and then as the epilogue says, three months later they were married. Indeed, indeed, I always laugh at the um the final um well not the final scene but the scene where they they hook up at new year's eve and they kiss and you know he says i love you because it's 71 degrees and you're still cold <laughs> and that's because that's exactly what it's like with my wife and i <laughs> she's always cold it takes you it takes you half an hour to order at a restaurant <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah but that's this that's, ends harry and met sally Indeed, indeed. So um, you, we've we've had a whistle sort of tour of of, of of the synopsis of the film. Um, get yourself a nice um, cup of tea with a tea bag on the side, maybe a little oh, bit of nice uh, there, yeah, and maybe some yeah. coconut cake with some chocolate sauce on the side. Yeah, warm the coconut nice. cake, but if it can't be warmed, you don't use ice cream. Use cream, but if it's not whipped cream, get the stuff from the can. Do you still want the pie? Yeah, I still want the pie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our synopsis of a film that has been universally watched many times over. <laughs> even, though, even though it took 10 minutes to do it, it was 10 minutes not well spent of your life. <laughs> You're not selling this. <laughs> well, now you get to the good bit. This is, this is the meat. This is the, this oh, yeah. is the cream a la mode next to the warm apple pie. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I suppose the thing, about some, the thing about a film like When Harry Met Sally, though, is how how do you objectively judge it oh that's a good question because i had that same note next to me because yeah i, I i'll recount I've, I've crowned this before possibly is that when i didn't see obviously um a fistful of dollars when it came out because i wasn't yep. even born then um but uh, it was yeah. several, many many years later um in my adulthood it was on the telly or something and i thought i'll watch fistful of dollars it's an iconic yeah. film it's influenced yeah. with only people i'll watch it and watching yeah. it i could intellectually realize this has influenced so many films but because I'd seen those films before it, it was hard yeah. to to latch on and say this feels fresh and new. And even though I'd, I've seen Harry Met Sally many years ago, it has influenced so many idioms oh. and so many sitcoms and films. Yeah. Um. I mean, the idea of having a romantic New York time, you, your life exists in brunches and dinners and skating and the Rockefeller yeah. Center and all this kind of stuff, and it's where it's just about romance, is so done now. It's it's like oh, it Harry really is. was the trailblazer of it. I mean, I would, I would say that um, this. I'd say even, even to this day, when Harry Met Sally is in almost every single romantic comedy. Yeah. You know, there's something, something in every single romantic comedy. Certainly, the ones I've seen yeah. has a hark back or a, 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 a homage or some influence from when Harry Met Sally. I, th I, I you know, I, I, 
I'd bet almost all of them do. Yeah, or if they're not, it's a deliberate push against yeah, that. against it's, it. Yeah, you're it's, either, it's, you're yeah. either drawing from Harry Met Sally, or you're deliberately trying not to be when Harry Met Sally. Yeah, yeah, and that and that is unusual, isn't it? I mean, look, don't get me wrong. There were there were romantic comedies before when Harry Met Sally, obviously, yeah. and when Harry Met Sally would also have drawn upon some of the works of, say, Woody Allen, for example, as well. You know, it, it doesn't exist. It didn't emerge out of nothing. It doesn't exist out out of time. But what it probably did was coalesce a really good idea of the almost like the non-romantic comedy I guess to a certain extent which you see a lot of now um, it, and it, it ran with it and it had this central premise that men and women can't be friends because the sex gets in the way and that's a really strong and funny basis from which the film is driven right I mean it yeah. it, it, it works it works so well because of that so I I and it, yeah, I've had examples of films which I know are absolute classics. I had it with um, Seven Samurai. When I watched Seven Samurai for the first time, I could appreciate, as you say, on an intellectual basis, that the film is ostensibly a classic and has influenced so many other films. But did I enjoy it? I'm not sure I did. Right. It was almost not as good as those other films that I'd seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because it was the original and it wasn't you know it didn't do all the other things the other films did now with when harry met sally i i it, i wonder whether it's for me it's maybe something to do with the fact that the genre of the romantic comedy is not necessarily my favorite genre yeah. so i don't necessarily i don't I, I can watch it pretty much endlessly I think when Harry met Sally I think it's a really easy film to watch yeah. and I would have watched it for the first time you know relatively soon after it was released maybe not immediately but certainly within about five or six years I would have watched yeah. when Harry met Sally I'm sure you know something like that anyway um and so it doesn't have the same oh I've seen this film but it's not as good you know I've, I've not seen this film but I know it's a classic but it's not as good as I think it is. I think yeah. it is as good as I think it is I think it yeah. is as good as it is but it's just that I think I've seen it so many times and I've seen it in other films so many times. Yeah. I don't really know whether I like it or not. It's just <laughs> it's just familiar. <clears throat> yeah, I, do, I tell you what you mean. Yeah, you, it's, it's, it's just quite a short runtime and it's an incredibly yeah. straightforward story. It's two it characters is. meet. You know, they have a couple of false starts and then they develop a friendship and a relationship that turns into romance. And that's really, yeah. it's, it's almost, there's no curveballs. There's um, the, the instigating incident yeah. was them having sex, which is almost necessary to get them to confront yeah. themselves. Yeah, exactly. But that's about it. And they I did notice in, um, despite it being you know, such a forerunner of the romantic comedy, there's no antagonist. There's no, no ex-girlfriend, you know, even if there was an ex-wife who like is on the scene upsetting Harry, she's not evil. She's just his wife who divorced him and that's oh, yeah. that no, yeah. no one is is secretly sabotaging their relationship yeah. except themselves they are the there's no there's no big you know wedding event to put on or there's no big um newspaper story to break or none of these things that gets thrown into um romantic comedies now to add tension and drama yeah. to, to, probably, to make probably it because if they didn't do that it would be when harry met sally exactly this is this is a romantic film about romance yeah um, and it's and you're, you're right there were other things i mean the idea of you know walking through new york street crack uh, cracking wise is a very woody allen thing to do yeah um you know, characters growing together is, is not new but i mean you know, i did think more than um obviously it's been done a lot in movies but i was thinking in sitcoms the sitcoms that came like a decade after this you're thinking your friends you're mad about yous um things like that. they feel very how much how i met your mother how i met your mother they're very much in that genre of they are. of 
of people of that of that age hanging around and just yeah. you know falling into friendships and romance with each other yeah. uh, and that long form way of, of a tv series seems to fit the style it does, better. doesn't it i mean and i would say you, you, you know there's very you've, you've mentioned some very popular ones there as well but there I mean, even even sitcoms like things like um will and grace dharma and greg i yeah, mean yeah. It, it, they are i mean look at the titles <laughs> you know they they are the they, that's what they are they're the couples yeah. right um it's a very yeah it's a it, it 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 is so much i mean it reminds me a little bit in, of a very different genre but in the same way that the matrix totally shifted science fiction yeah. in the late 90s i think when harry met sally basically has shifted the romantic comedy probably ad infinitum to the extent that actually in 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 the 90s um, you, you have Nora Ephron, who obviously wrote When Harry Met Sally, also writing big blockbuster romantic comedies like you, um, You've you Got Mail Sleep and Sleepless in Seattle, for example, which is the same thing, right? Or Well, not quite the same thing, but it's it's a, a similar structure, a similar process. It's funny, um, it's, well, Sleeps in Seattle, actually, well, we'll come to that, because um, I find this interesting too about the fact that Nora Ephron's involvement in this. Sleeps in Seattle is almost the anti-Harry Met Sally. It involves no relationship and all climax. Yeah. It's, uh, the, the two characters don't meet until the very, very last reel, yeah, um, which, which makes it crazy. But I was, I was going to say, actually, um, to, to the the idea of, of us looking at Rob Reiner is that um, I wouldn't have said this was a Rob Reiner movie. I'd have said it was a Nora Ephron movie. Yeah, um, even though I she was she wrote and, and co-produced it. This is like you, you say name Nora Ephron's movies, and you just tripped off other ones you've mentioned. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting that you know obviously Reiner was the director and obviously um, did a great job with with getting out the script, but it feels like this is Nora Ephron's you know work thing. Yeah, although they did work very closely together on the script. Yes. Oh, um, and I think my understanding is that Harry is based composite of Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal, yes. um, which which is interesting as well. And uh, Sally Sally Albright is based on Nora Ephron and some of her friends. Um, apparently. Yeah, apparently Nora Ephron is a very picky orderer too. Um, he, oh, is she? <laughs> to, to the point where someone in later years heard her ordering ad infinitum and said, have you seen this film, Harry Met Sally? Uh, yeah, well, there you go. how embarrassing. Um, uh, so, yeah, it does feel like an Nora Ephron film. But I mean, you, you, you did mention at the start that, you know, you've got um, Rob Reiner has got seven films at the start of his career, all bang on different. Yes. And um, I wonder, and it, you, you've, the way you've just described that is this doesn't feel like a Rob Reiner film. But based on the fact that all of those first seven films are very different, what does a Rob Reiner film look like? That is true, yeah. Right? I don't I have no idea what a Rob Reiner film looks like looking at those first seven yeah. films. It could be anything. Although in terms of the look, um, I mean, the cinematography of this film is beautiful. It's um, yeah, it is. from the, the drive into kind of New York and sunrise to the parks and the looks and the, yeah. and the, the apartments, even when they're sad. It's like this is this is wonderful. Oh, yeah. I think they, the, um, the, the note the director's notes was they deliberately made it look incredibly romantic to show that Harry and Sally are blind to this in themselves. Ah, right, really? They're yeah, having okay. these autumnal walks, they're having these, these you know, skatings in the wind, hot chocolates and everything, and they're, they're having a very romantic film, and they're unaware of it completely. They're blind they're oblivious to it. To the fact that they are they're this in romance, which is the, the whole point of it. They do not yeah. know that they are falling in love, even though they are quite clearly falling in love. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think um, a couple of things on the, the, the kind of the, the actors in the film as well. So yeah. I, I think so I, I don't know how many times you've seen this film. I've seen this film a lot, obviously. I've not seen it for a while, I've got to say. It's Likewise, probably been about yeah. seven or eight years since I last watched it. So, you know, you you remember things as they happen, but you don't necessarily remember the order in which they happen when you're remembering them, if that makes sense. But um, So 
and, and t I tend to find that when I do rewatch films over a longer period of time, you know, things jump out of you that maybe you've missed before you feel differently about as you get older and you have different experiences. And I think this time, the thing that stood out for me was that I think that Billy Crystal is a bit of a creep in this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. And I think that um, he I think that he is effectively particularly in the final scene or, or so he's kind of forcing himself <laughs> on onto in, into sally's kind of life in a way that i think is a little bit uncomfortable but but nevertheless you know it, it's it's part of the shtick of the film i guess really but um the, the the other thing i wanted to say was i think i've underappreciated meg ryan in this film before I think she might be the most valuable player in it, really. And I, I say that on the basis that she's got quite a tough role because she's not the comedy, is she? You know, she's yeah. not the she, she's not the she's not the funny, the funny man. Um, she has to almost through um, body language and a kind of facial acting express. Express without words, a slow but inexorable realization that she loves him. Yes. And I think she does it really well um, through through kind of facial cues and body language. I think she's excellent in this film. Um, and I, 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 I'm not sure I've given her quite the credit um, that she really deserves in this because she has a standout scene, which is obviously in the in the restaurant where she fakes the orgasm. Yeah, obviously. But that I scene. think, yeah, that scene. But in but in the whole film, she's she's playing someone almost wrestling against her best interests. Um, yeah. Whereas whereas Billy Crystal kind of he's I think he's playing Billy Crystal, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is interesting. There's a couple of points here. Um, Firstly, is uh, I've actually eaten in that diner with uh, Katz's Deli. Oh my god, it's so nice! It's, oh, it's, it? As you'd expect, I did, yeah. Yeah, had a, a corned beef sandwich, oh. um, which uh, for UK listeners would imagine corned beef as some kind of marbled yellow and pink meat from a tin. Delicious. <laughs> in America, corned beef is like shredded beef that just comes out. In is it? Oh, guys, corned beef in America is nothing like corned beef in this country. Whoa. It is absolutely delicious. You have it like three inches thick in a sandwich, um, oh and it is. And you know, I had a cream soda as well. I had the full experience and um, it was lovely and there was I think they may have muted it now but it was basically a ginormous arrow pointing over Meg Ryan's chair yeah, oh, saying really? this is where Meg Ryan sat uh, so they were milking it for what it was worth however um I remember I remember again the scene is so is so famous people who have not seen the movie know the scene yeah um, and in many ways it's quite unsally uh that kind it is, of it is yes that public display it, it's um you know yeah. of, of embarrassing harry to make a point in an argument is is very unsally it's more the thing that harry would do to sally yeah. the other way around um so there's two ways of looking at it one it is such a funny scene and it's so resonant and it was clearly when they were filming it they must have thought this is going to be remembered because it's this like, is gold and yeah. the killer line with rob yeah. Reiner's mum just go yeah. ah, yeah. it's yeah, brilliant that's his mum as well isn't yeah it? um you either think it's contrived and they just put it in, which is always a danger in writing. It's like you've fallen over the scene and you will yeah. write yourself around in circles to fit it in. However, I again, you take it the other way, is that it's an indication that actually Harry is good for Sally because yeah. Sally, Sally's kind of flaw from the beginning is she's incredibly uptight. This is where her ordering comes in. She likes everything the way she likes it. She doesn't let anything in. In fact, she has, having broken up with, um, again, someone who she had a five-year relationship with, she's not allowing herself to grieve for it because she's too closed off to it. And it's only the knowledge that she's marrying someone else 
cause her to break down and fall into Harry's arms. So that's kind of Sally's flaw is that she doesn't. That's a good point, yeah. And the fact that she does that in the restaurant in order to basically get one over on him could either be taken as this is a funny scene, let's get it in. But it's also the fact that she is behaving in ways she would not normally want to behave because she's with Harry. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I was reading around that scene as well, and um, Rob Reiner was was having a conversation with um, both Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal because the he they were thinking at the time that the the script was becoming a lot more about Harry yeah. than Sally, and they wanted something for Sally to do if that makes sense okay to, to, uh, uh, like a big scene stealing thing which would kind of recalibrate the film a little bit yeah so it would move away from the neurosis and the depression of um harry onto the 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 um what you might not have seen from sally at that point in the film which was um a kind of acerbic wit um she's, yeah. you know gives as good as she gets as it were but you're right the way that they interplay with each other he's kind of drawn that out of her a little bit um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and initially it wasn't going to be a it wasn't going to be a a, a piece of acting where she would fake the orgasm. It was going to be the discussion yeah. about um, the fact that women do fake orgasms and men just don't realise it. Um, but she actually then, in an I don't think it's the scene in the film, but she improvised the fake orgasm, <laughs> um, and apparently the crew and the extras all just fell about laughing. But it worked brilliantly as a result of that. So they kept it in. OK, uh, they kept they kept that principle in. So she obviously did it a few more times. And I think yeah. actually I read somewhere that she, she had to do that scene for something like three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To get it right, because there was a lot there of was corpsing, there was corpsing on, on set. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting, though. Yeah. But as you say, it sounds interesting again, the um, the role of Meg Ryan, because I'm I'm guessing in this Billy Crystal was a bigger star by this point. He's some he was already older than Meg Ryan and she yeah. had basically in movies played a lot of secondary parts. She was again the wife in Top Gun, she was the girlfriend in Inner Space. Yeah. Um what else was she? She was the she was the, the love interest in DOA. So she'd not done a lot. The Presidio as well she was in, I think. Yeah. But basically um, normally getting dragged around by the leading man. <laughs> she was an emerging star, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She wasn't unknown, but yeah. she was probably on the cusp of stardom. But I think Billy Crystal was probably more known as a stand-up comedian. That's what I mean. He, he, I think he'd made his bones to leave the Saturday Night Live or something like that. He was, yeah. he was, he was a known quantity. Um, but you're right. in, in terms of the balance, that's very interesting. They tried to recalibrate towards Sally because I was thinking, even though they both go through a growth, the journey. It's just you know, they, they get equal screen time. In fact, I think maybe that that scene yeah. helps you right, to give yeah, Sally her dues. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, is is there much? Of, does Sally get the same kind of journey that Harry does? Because Harry, you know, he gets the, the the lonely walk through New York where he comes to realize his feelings. He he gets to be shocked out of his corner and forced to make a yeah. leap. And Sally yeah. is more there to receive that. Yes, exactly. I think that's exactly right. And I think that that scene does recalibrate that somewhat. Yeah. Um, and you see her in a slightly different light through the rest of the film, don't you? Yeah. Um, as a result of that. Um, I mean, I suppose in the end, the film believes in the central premise of the conceit, which yeah. is that men and women can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean in some respects it is it is harry's perspective isn't it yeah it, he is proved right and she is proved wrong yes that's true um and so therefore there has to be that I, I guess in terms of the structure of the film there has to be the ultimate the ultimate focal point has to be harry's i mean it's never presented like this i guess but it is it's you know he's he's proven right i suppose i suppose rob reiner as a consequence and perhaps even Nora, Nora ephron believe that that is probably true and i think 
there was an interview with uh, Meg Ryan and um, Billy Crystal when they were doing promotion for the film. Um, and I'll, I'll come on to the promotion because that's an interesting one as well about it. But um, she was she was basically saying um, she does believe that they can, there can be platonic relationships. She's got a lot of male friends very close where it's not about sex at all. It's about the relationship that, that she has with them. And Billy Crystal said he's more of an optimist than Harry is. But does he have very close female friends? No, none. Um, so, you know, there is a, there is a point of that where, where maybe that's why the chemistry works so well in the yeah, film, because yeah. there is a general belief in those kind of two sides of the coin. Yeah, and um, let's go back to the dialogue. Uh, the dialogue in this film sings. It's, no, it does, it's it? yeah. just so I'm thinking about when you mentioned that is the um, when Harry's setting out his premise the first time she, um, Sally's going. Um, so a man can't be a friend when he's attracted to. No, he can't be. What about the unattractive ones? Well, you sort of want to nail them too. <laughs> <laughs> and again, even though Billy Crystal, again, he is, I think he's, he's a stand-up. I don't know if he's done a better film than this, to be honest. I'm trying to think of... I mean, oh, with, no. Um, I don't think he has. No, I mean, he's just, he's very funny in this, in the film. Well, I don't he, think Meg Ryan has done a better film than this, to be honest. No, you're probably right there. I quite like yeah. um, Courage Under Fire, but that was a different film altogether. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's but, right. But the, I mean, the, I quite like Inner Space. Oh, I think that's a Oh, I like film. Inner Space. <laughs> but, you know, that's a different film as well. I think this is yeah. better. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, so yeah, I mean, he's very funny in this, and again, the, the lines in it um, just sing. And it's, again, it's also Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. They get some absolute crackers. There's a well, the, the wheel, the the oh, the, 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 the wagon table, wheel table, the wagon yeah, wheel this, table. Yeah, they're showing off a, a wagon wheel table when Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby are moving in together. Yeah. Um, they they he wants to bring his wagon wheel table, which is an incredibly ugly coffee table. And after they're having a little debate about it, Harry then having just met his ex-wife snaps and <laughs> just, just and goes off on one how you will you better mark all your stuff because you will go to 10 rounds over who gets the plate and, that. and after this room has been filled with emotion and anger harry just storms out and all character goes is i will never want that wagon wheel table <laughs> i want you to know right now yeah, only she begins to be very soft saying i want you to know something right now yeah i will never want your table <laughs> yeah, but then it's cut when his next scene is him taking it out of the house yeah but they have they have um they have what i think is the funniest I actually genuinely think it's the funniest scene in the film, where um, they're on the they're on the double date, yeah. And um, it's obviously you know the intention is that um, Bruno Harry Kirby gets set up with Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously it, do, it doesn't it doesn't work, does it? They, yeah. they end up not really engaging with each other. So on the way home. Although um, that, the sweet thing about that is it's not because of Harry and Sally. Because you think in that situation, Harry and Sally would get talking and then they would they would not be yeah. conversation. Need those two. No, they're doing their best, aren't they? They're yeah, just but, not into it. Yeah, so those two just lock together immediately, and they have love at first sight. They have love at first sight. Yeah, but they're on the way home, and yeah. um, uh, I don't. Bruno Kirby and Billy Crystal talking. It's like um, you know, don't you know, just let let her down gently. You know, don't worry. I'll I'll you know, just don't um let Sally down don't let Sally down quickly you know give it a couple of days before you call Carrie Fisher you know don't you know don't don't do it immediately and then cut to Sally and um Carrie Fisher I can't remember the names of the characters but Marie um, and Jess Marie Sally Marie and she's like Sally says you know he, uh, Harry's in a hard, hard place at the moment so you know even if you don't like him that's fine just you know give it give it a week before you let him know that you know you're interested in Jess and then uh, <laughs> was it just 
I can't remember who it is, but it's either Jess goes, I'm tired of walking, I'm going to get a cabin. cabin. And then Marie goes, yeah, I'm in there too. And they just go into the cabin, it zooms off. (laughs) They just run into a cabin. (laughs) It's just good comic timing. I did not explain that at all well. But it is good (laughs) comic comic timing. timing. You've all seen the clip anyway. The scene that does deserve actually mention, which is, I think technically brilliant um is after harry and sally have slept together they um oh is it the double call it's a double call yeah um, it's they, really good they, it? they immediately call their friends mary and jess so who are in bed together so you have the yeah. this and the, the, the scene splits into three ways so you have um carrie fisher and bruno Kirby in bed together and sally calls so carrie fisher picks up the phone and the screen slides and it's sally and then bruno Kirby goes no one i know would call at this hour and then yeah. bringing his phone goes <laughs> slides across and there's harry and the four of them are having a conversation filmed live there's no cuts or anything like that they were all having it played live. i had to do 61 takes to get it right oh, because really? it's a four minute scene that everyone has to hit the exact beat because yeah. they're having conversations with each other this is like, as soon as sally tells carrie something she turns to bruno and tells him that he then relays information from harry and it's a very complex and very funny especially it's the scene very when, good yeah, isn't it when it looks like um, Sally saying, like, I should come, um, um, Marie says, you should come over. And um, Jess says to Harry, you should come over. And they both realize what they've done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. Sally goes, I don't want to come over. Harry goes, I can't come over. They go, oh, good. Together. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> it's, and they go, what? What? Everyone is literally a little bit confused and thrown by what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, it is very good, isn't it? You know, I think the most astonishing thing about that scene is that they have individual phone lines. But again, this is a primitive time. It's a, what what they had to do in those days to to get have uh, some kind of communication. I know, yeah. So they both got their own telephone number by their bed. By their bed, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Again, that scene wouldn't work nowadays, would it? You'd have lots of text messages pinging up. It wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as lively now. No, it wouldn't be as lively, would it? No, that's true. That's right. You should always set all films should be set in the eighties. The Cohen brothers did this actually when they uh, when they were doing um, the Big Lebowski. They deliberately set it in like ninety one or ninety two because they didn't want technology to catch up with them. I think they've had the same problem with um, with uh, what's the one with the. Uh, no good, no country for all men. Oh yeah. They said you, they didn't. They didn't go too far. They had to send it in the past because mysteries are hard to sort out in a digital yeah, age. Yeah, yeah. It's like when well, you can send someone a text and solve the problem. It's like it's it's a lot harder to to get that kind it's of. That was interesting, mad, is it? We can't get that mad race to get information. You can just say no. text them. Yeah. Don't get on the plane. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm on my way. Spate of films set in 2003 or something. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 that magical time before they was signal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, do, I do think, uh, I mean, there, there, look, you know, when Harry met Sally, it's obviously a great film. Um, I do find it a little bit hard to, to, to judge objectively. There are a couple of things that I find slightly grating about it, I suppose. And for me, it is the Billy Crystal character, I think, this time. Um, I do find him a little bit creepy. I find him, he's not, I don't... I don't engage with him quite as much as I do with um, with with Sally, I have to say. And there was also one horrendous joke in the film, um, which I, oh, I, I never really noticed it before. But for some reason, I noticed it this time. And um, they're they're in they're in um, they're in his flat and um, he, he's, he's gone out with someone and they went to an Ethiopian restaurant and he starts talking about how there was <laughs> he was surprised that there was food on the menu and all this kind of stuff as well. And I'm like. I mean, yeah, that isn't funny. <laughs> it just isn't funny. It got a laugh out of me, I'm afraid. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bad person. It is. I just think, I just think. That, I wouldn't bring it up on a first date. That's not going to be my opening line. No, no, no. But but I, I think that's, that's um, 
I find that misjudged, and that's probably one of the only things. I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't it doesn't change what I think about the film necessarily, but I just I finally it's funny that I noticed it because yeah. I don't think I've ever noticed it before. It's never bothered me before, yeah. so I must be I must have in my in my older age I must have yeah. become more sensitive to these kinds of things. Well, I do think that for the fact that again, what what passed in the mid eighties for you know um for um for you know faint heart never won fair lady when he's basically leaving long messages on her answering machine and clearly yeah. leaving messages and, and pestering her and getting yeah. no response yeah. that wouldn't be allowed now that's stalking <laughs> it's like but yeah if, it's if stalking, you show no it? interest and express you not talk it's not romantic to just keep on leaving message after message and it doesn't matter that the camera shows sally looking sad at the answer machine and wanting to speak to harry he doesn't know that he's just bomb- bombarding her with, yeah. with attention and that's unwanted so it's, it's one of those things however i think <laughs> um i'm warmer to Sally than I because he's funny. I think funny, funny papers over a lot of cracks. Like yeah, the, the initial scene when then is you know he, he makes a pass at you know dear, sort of twenty one year old Harry makes a pass at twenty year old Sally and um and it gets very awkward and she's just like would you just please let it lie would you let it lie yeah. I'm gonna let it lie it's fine that's my philosophy when I get a hotel room oh, see what I did I didn't let it lie I'm right <laughs> in the direction. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing is, I, I didn't take any of his kind of I keep saying he made a pass me. I didn't take any of his way of making a pass there that seriously. I think he was, no, he, was, no. he, was he was kind no. of throwing a shot to nothing, but he wasn't, you know, making it uncomfortable. Other yeah. the fact that, yeah, um, Sally yeah, yeah, yeah. being uncomfortable ever, but uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, you're right. So the things he says you and does, you would not get away with now, and you would not think them romantic now. But I think Billy no, does have a fair bit of charisma and and carries it off. He, he does look, you know, it, it, it's not a one-star film, is it, for goodness sake? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road, but yeah, it's, it, it's just things. I mean, you know, I do, I suppose my final thing on on, on, on it is, uh, when, when I was watching it, I was, I was a little bit, I've seen this so many times, has it lost any of its impact? Has it lost any of its lust? And I think generally it hasn't, but um, I, I did wonder whether it is, a little bit more than the sum of its parts perhaps and it's if i when i watch it now i watch it in the knowledge that it's when harry met sally rather than objectively saying to myself this is an absolute classic um but it but it certainly reaches those heights uh, on, on on a number of occasions so you know it's still a great film yeah that's interesting because again um my wife loves a good romantic comedy, but uh, just a couple of years ago, mentioned she'd never seen Harry Met Sally. Oh, really? So that was my first recognition. You must see it. If you like yeah. romantic comedies, you've You'll got like to go this. back to the yeah. source. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I find it, yeah, I, it was, I'd forgotten some of the really zingy dialogue. Some of the one-liners just go past, like the fact yeah. when they're playing Pictionary and was it um, <laughs> Baby Fishmouth? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, um, that there's is brilliant. some great stuff in there. Again, um, the supporting character just as funny. I love, I love the one-liners and the dialogue. It, it, it snaps from Miss Nora Ephron. She's really good. Yeah. Um, so it's all that. And it's, I find it, again, it, I was surprised me how short it was, like an hour. Yeah, it was yeah, 90 minutes, yeah. but it's 90 minutes of not very much happening as well. Yeah. And, um, and nothing really, really kicks off until the hour mark. Yeah, so it's it's a strange, strangely um, strange that, but I just find it charming. It's it's very yeah. pleasant. It's very charming. Again, it doesn't blow me away in that I've just seen you know a masterpiece and I and I I feel moved by it as I would from seeing other films that are great. I think, but it's yeah. a it makes you feel good, which is actually quite a rare thing too. And oh, you know, it's like a very pleasant meal that you're familiar with, but you know, you still eat it because it makes you feel nice. Yeah, and you know, it's it's an odd thing because I think it probably is a masterpiece of the genre. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? You know, it's a masterpiece of the genre. Um, it's just probably not. It's probably on reflection not up with my absolute favourite films of all time. But yeah. I mean, maybe this is just a, again a prejudice of the genre. I, I'm, I will watch a romantic comedy, but I will not 
My favourite film is never going to be a romantic comedy. So to see the, I I can appreciate the best of them. Yes, I will never think the best of them is my favourite film. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I I wanted to just, I mean, before we wrap up the kind of the 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 podcast generally, I just wanted to kind of um, reflect back on what what we're doing this. Yeah. Um, well, one final, one final word on, on just uh, oh yeah, go on. The, the, um, I just look at the, the poster I've seen for this, and the marketing for this is crazy. It's I don't know, but also how do you market it? Because um, yeah. it it's almost like trailblazing. It's so, not like yeah, because because the, the trailer is again it's Billy Chris and Meg Ryan looking at each other, and the tagline is "Can two friends sleep together and will still love each other in the morning?" Mm. I'm thinking. That's gonna maybe watch this film. It's like that's well, rubbish. Actually, you know what? You reminded me because I did mention earlier um, that the way that the film was promoted and marketed is really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. it was released to I can't. There's a word for it. I can't remember what the word is, but um, it basically didn't have a big release. It wasn't. Okay, it wasn't widely released. released. Sorry. Stealth release, something like that. Yeah, stealth release. That's it. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a stealth release. It was. It was released to I think 25 screens okay. in New York, and because. That they, the, the studio did think it would be particularly popular. They thought it, they thought it was a good film, but they thought it might be a bit more of a niche film, a bit more of an art house type yeah. film. So they, they did a stealth release of it. And it was word of mouth which yeah. brought the punters in. And then it went nationwide and then it went global. Yeah. Um, and it was it was about six or seven months before um, it was the, the difference between it being released in. Um, the states and I mean in in New York and the and being released in the rest of the United States. Um, so it it hasn't. It, I think I think that's a fair point because I think how do you market this film? Probably the best way to market it is word of mouth. Yeah, you're right. right? So, you watch a good film, you think you tell someone I've just watched a good film because otherwise it doesn't really sell, does it? It doesn't sound like a film you might. You know, you, you didn't sound a film. It doesn't sound like a film that was one of the most successful films of the 1980s, does it? <laughs> no, it, right? it, it's yeah. I mean, again, I I would struggle to again to sell this film other than saying you must see this. It's that kind of film. It's almost yeah, like it's, a. It's how do you describe this? Yeah, yeah. How do you describe this film? Why should you watch this film? Well, it's just funny, <laughs> <laughs> but and, and it's warm and it's charming. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think the stealth release. And you don't. I don't think you get many stealth releases now, because I don't think the. I don't think the cinema industry is the same as it used to be. Well, something interesting happened um, with what was it? Uh, with the latest Disney film Encanto. Not that any Disney cartoon is ever going to be stealth, but mm. it came out in the cinemas, did okay, got like middling scores in Rotten Tomatoes and everything. Uh, then it was released on Disney Plus, which meant, of course, everyone saw it. Yeah. When it's such a smash hit, they put it back in the cinema so people could watch it in the cinema because when more people saw it, they loved it. Yeah, and actually, I'd quite—I mean, I'd quite like to watch Encanto at the cinema. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is quite—it's quite good. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so uh, it, obviously a different way of of looking at that as well. Um, the the seven films that we're looking at then. Um, I, I I had a little kind of review of this. I mean, I, I still am slightly bewildered that these are Rob Reiner's first seven films but there's a couple of additional things which I think are quite remarkable on this as well so um thinking about the years that they were released right so this is Spinal Tap was 1984 The Sure Thing was 95 Stand By Me was 1986 The Princess Bride was 1987 now When Harry Met Sally was 1989 so he had a year off <laughs> Misery was 1990 and A Few Good Men was 1992 so in the space of um, eight years, you have 
seven films released. All of which were huge box office and critical successes. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And we'll year talk after year, basically. Yeah. And again, the we'll start Harry Met Sally made for 16 million box office, uh, 92.8 million. 92.8. So this is the other thing I wanted to say as well. So the films get increasingly expensive. Um, so this is Spinal Tap cost 2 million and made 4.7 million. Yeah. The Sure Thing cost 4.5 million and made 18 million. Stand By Me cost 7 million and made 52 million. The Princess Bride actually cost 16 million and made 30 million, which is by far his um, least successful return, but yeah. still very successful. Yeah. Um, when Harry Met Sally, yet yeah, cost 16, made 92. Misery cost 20, made 61. And A Few Good Men cost 30 and made 242 <laughs> million. Oh <my laughs> so from, from an investment of $99 million, those seven films made nearly half a billion dollars <laughs> back. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and 99 million. $99 million yeah. made $462 million back, ha nearly half a billion dollars. And um, that's even more impressive when you realise that uh, every film is a shot in the air. So you've got to do that seven times. They're not times sequels, they're not franchises, none what of I mean, them are. What I mean is you can do, yeah, nowadays you could like do one good film, like one good oh. Marvel movie, throw yeah. a 100 yeah. million at it and get that yeah. return. But you've now you've got to do it seven times. To do, yeah. You've yeah. got to roll the yeah. dice seven times and still score high. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not just it, right? There's there's more to this. So I was looking on Letterboxd, I was looking at the average rating for the for the films as well. So this is Spinal Tap, it's, it's 3.9 out of 5. So let, let, let's call that 4 out of 8, uh, uh, 8 out of 10, right? Say 8 out of 10. The sure thing was 7 out of 10. Stand By Me, 8 out of 10. The Princess Bride, 8 out of 10. When Harry Met Sally, 8 out of 10. Misery, 8 out of 10. A Few Good Men, 8 out of 10. So, so... You, you, the sure thing is the only one that isn't eight out of ten, and it's a seven out of ten, which is still pretty good. So you've got seven films which people seem to love, which were made almost to back year on year, but made nearly half of those, but only cost a hundred million, right? So they they had five times the return over an eight year period, and they were loved. Madness. <laughs> that's why we do it. That's why we're doing them. Yeah, yeah, gotta find that secret sauce. That's a madness. I can't think of a better. I can't think of a better run. So again, on, on that first stab, then we'll, we'll we'll have a stab each. What is it that Harry met Sally? Then we we know the stars are good. We know the Nora Ephron's a good writer. But Rob Reiner was the producer and the director. What did he bring to this? Is it is it a deeply personal? Because again, you, yeah. obviously, you know, Rob Reiner maybe he doesn't have that much engagement with the Princess Pride or Spinal Tap, but he, you know, he says he feels. Well, I don't, no, well, like Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner wrote and starred in This Is Spinal Tap, so yeah, yeah. He, he has investment in that. Um, yes. I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's a personal thing. I think there's a personal touch there as well. He was friends with Nora Ephron. I think Billy Crystal was his best friend, yes, or certainly yeah. a very close friend. In fact, some of the scenes where um, uh, Harry and Sally are on the phone. Um, watching Casablanca, for example, is is something that um, both uh, Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal used to do every night. It's like they were right? doing a podcast, but not recording it. <laughs> they were doing a podcast, but not recording it. So um, I think it's probably a film which is close to heart. I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, Woody Allen makes films about Woody Allen, doesn't he? Yeah. Right. Every single film Woody Allen makes is about Woody Allen. Yeah. And I mean, some are good and some aren't, but he's invested in them. And I think that's what this is. 
Um, I think also because he had a close working relationship and a close personal relationship with both Nora Ephron and Billy Crystal, I think he got good chemistry from the script. He, he, you know, he could he could wring every last bit of chemistry yeah, out of yeah. the script to the two leads, who obviously felt comfortable in his presence. Yeah, yeah. right. Because I I I I don't think from a technical perspective there isn't I, I, I you know maybe after these seven films we'll we'll know what a Rob Reiner film looks like there'll be some cues maybe but yeah. just looking at when Harry met Sally I I don't know yeah there's no zoom cuts there's no you know it, it's not it doesn't look like it looks like it could be a TV movie right yeah but having said that you know the um to to break the film up into vignettes mm, with mm. with yeah, or elderly couples talking about their love life that's not normal that 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 no it know, isn't is it that that's that's a touch which but you that, don't, which is, but I think that's the script it. I think you that's think the script. script yeah because that's because again that's that Nora Ephron was um they were when she didn't feel like screenwriting when she didn't feel like writing this film what yeah. she would do was she would talk to um, colleagues. Um, talk to friends talk to colleagues talk to people she knew about their love lives about their marriages and stuff yeah. and the so i always thought that the those the, those interstitial clips were stories of those individual characters but they're not yeah. this they're they're stories of her friends relationships and people she knew and relatives and so on but they were just reworded and yeah. acted in that so that for me is the script that's the structure of the script in my yeah, the, in my yeah, eyes there but the, again the director puts them in the director gets oh, he the does, yeah and he, they, they very cleverly cast complete unknowns because i assume they were the people too it's it's a great yeah yeah yes so, yeah that's yeah. true and so so there is there is that there I, I i think the um the 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 vignette structure to the film as well i think is, is it, it, it maybe we'll understand that to be um you know, Rob Reinerian. I don't know. Um, but put it this way: if, if you get Chris Columbus to film this script, I don't think you get those vignettes. No, I don't think. Or you don't do, get them in the you? same way. No, I don't think you do. In, if yeah, I think I think you're right. I think if you had John Hughes making this film, I don't think you'd get those vignettes. I'm not saying it would be a bad film, but it'd be a different film, wouldn't it? It'd be a different structural film, I think. So there is something there about that. Um, but I'm not sure that. It, I'm, I'm not sure that the right I'm not sure it's all Reiner <laughs> I don't know you know in in the same way that in the same in the same way that the 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 four Fincher films are so quintessentially Fincher aren't they yeah, yeah. they're so quintessentially Fincher and I'm not sure I know enough about Rob Reiner to say that when Harry Met Sally is a quintessential Rob Reiner film Really. Hopefully by the end of our journey we shall yeah exactly and that's quite exciting isn't it yeah so and also you know seven really good films indeed um, for a change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also tempted to watch North just to see where it all ended. Oh, oh, see off the cliff. I don't know. I've really, no, no. I've, let's leave. Let's leave Rob Reiner in in our thoughts, perhaps. Okay. So it's a good place to, place to end there. So uh, thank you for for joining us once more on our journey. Uh, weekend of Crombies to the Lens of Crombies Gold into a slightly different approach to uh, the way we look at films, and uh, and do join us for the next one where we'll be reviewing another one because <laughs> <laughs> our schedule's in the air which is going to pluck air. one out yeah we'll pluck one out indeed yeah. yeah exactly so we wish until then we wish you a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies good evening all weekend at Crombies it's in the can it's in the can
So that was good. We don't have to recap Phil's turn to the, to the ninth degree. It's almost normal podcast length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah what is the lesson there? Maybe there is a lesson there. I don't know that. Yeah, we we got onto it quite quickly. There, it was quite nice, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I could I could see you straying. It was like having a toddler with you sometimes. Like yeah. you, you're going off into the films. Like come back, uh, come back. Come I back. know, I know. I was trying not to, but I can't help it. You see, I can't help it. You're like you've missed a very important scene there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh god, oh god. 